Let's get started this morning. We are continuing in our, our verse by verse of, of James. And uh, we're going to be here a while because we haven't finished chapter one yet. So today we're going to talk about six reasons to listen and learn before you speak and act. And uh, that's important. When I was making the promo this week to put out on social media, I, I, I had it made and then I deleted it. I was going to put... Um, your wife said you really need to come to this on there. I was going to make that the big, <laughs> the big headline, but I didn't. But, uh, you know, as, as men, there's, there's something in us that wants to fix a situation, wants to act. The minute there's a problem, I want to do something about it. And James is going to write today to people like us, but they're going through it more than us. They're going through some struggles and issues that are very, very difficult, and they're going to want to speak and act. They're going to be in some situations that are very unjust, and they're going to want to do something, and James has some wisdom for them in that moment, as he does for us today as well, because we want to step up. We want to do something, especially when there's injustice, when there's something that's not right. That's when you and I are moved even more to want to do something. So I thought it'd be interesting discussion is, uh, first of all, how would you describe this, the rush of emotion and thoughts that happen in that moment when there's an injustice, when something happens to you and it's not right, it's not fair, it, it, something is very unjust about this thing. What's the, what are the emotions and thoughts that come rushing in for you in that moment? Yes, you get very fixed on that thing. Everything else just kind of blurs out. Good. What else? Yeah, there's anger in this sense of I want somebody's got to pay. Somebody needs to suffer a little bit for this. What's happening? What else? Depending on the Yes, that's, and that's a very strong emotion to have a sense of this person that you trusted, uh, whether it was a family member, friend, or coworker, or employ, employer, uh, all of a sudden they have, they've turned against you and you feel betrayed in that moment. Good. What else? Mark? Yeah, some frustration of the moment, a worry of what's going to happen. That's a lot of emotion that comes rushing in that moment. It's a lot in that situation that happens. And, and as men, <clears throat> some of that that is right for us to experience, to feel all of that sense of this is not right, this is this someone needs to pay, uh, this is there's some betrayal here, uh, I have some concern about the future. All of that moves you to want to do something and to take action, and that that actually is a good thing. You've been wired for that. You shouldn't deny that, but what you do with it is what's important. So the second question is. What types of injustice ignite you with the greatest passion? It's a little different for every person in here. There's certain things that, that set each of us off in a different way. So what would you say is the kind of injustice that you see or experience that just really, really fires you up? Bullying. Bullying. Okay. When you've got the one who's the bigger, the more powerful, the one who's got the control, dominating someone else who might be weak or in the minority in number. Mark? Okay, anything that goes against children. You know, interesting thing I've heard from people that go into prison. In a prison situation, here you have people who have broken the law, but within the prison system, there's, it's like a code of ethics almost. And if you're, if you're in there because you've hurt children, you're going to get hurt by all those men. They're not, they, they're not pleased with you. And they'll, they'll execute some justice on you if they find out you're in there because you did something to a child. So that one thing, uh, say it again. 
Yes, or if an elderly person who's been taken advantage of or hurt. Yes, exactly. Yes. But in the prison I worked in, the, the gangs would get uh, guys in the admin office so they could see all the records and they would find out who they were. Wow. And they would go after them. It's pretty easy. You just, you just have one friend on the outside, you just tell them the person's name, and anybody can go look in the public records. <clears throat> that's, that's the other way they did it, too. But they, would, they would get in the office and, as an assistant, you know, trustee, and they would give names. It's just interesting that that's. That they would go to that length in inside a system like that. They still want to. Texas prison inmates work in all aspects of the. the yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting that even criminals have <laughs> some standards. Yes, exactly. That's what, that's what I've just been amazed at in, in in that situation. All right. What else? What other types of injustices fire you up? Yeah. Try to like, my wife, my, for my wife, because I'm a very, like, what you did to this to your little brother? Like, yeah, as a middle child, I'm especially defensive. Got it. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's get the whole story. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Middle child being abused. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's Hunter. That Hunter is our chief uh, injustice ins inspector in the in the family. If it if it's there, he's going to see it. Instigator and inspector. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, uh, Jim. Yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's interesting we're talking about this because usually I come over here in the morning and I go home and read the daily devotional. This morning I read first, and it was talking about justice, mercy, and grace. There you go. And uh, then I come over here. Injustice, yeah, that's true. Well, the thing is, in this life, injustices happen. It's part of it's part of the world we live in. This is not a world that that is based and operates from a perspective of, of justice and truth and righteousness. It's our prayer that uh, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, but that's not where we are today. So that stuff happens. So when James writes to people. Um, He's writing to a people who are going through that very thing. So we, we found in the first verses that he was writing to people who had been scattered. These are Jewish believers who have been persecuted because of their belief in Jesus, and they've been scattered away from their home. So they're having to leave what was comfortable, what was common, what they knew. And often they moved out into more agrarian, agricultural-type settings, and they had to find all new jobs, all new homes. And when they did, they often had to make themselves... You know, had start the lower, lower, lowest rung in the, the the ladder, basically work their way up. So they'd find jobs working for wealthy landowners, and here they were, people who had had jobs, had homes, had lives, and they're scattered. And now they're having to start at the bottom and work their way up and be mistreated by the wealthy landowners. This is a theme that will come up again later in the book of James. So they're dealing with injustice. This is not fair that this is happening to us. This is not fair that we're being treated this way. This is not fair because we had worked up to a level of standard. And, and God, where are you in all of this? God, why are we going through this trial? And I'm tempted to want to lash out at these people. I'm tempted to want to kind of walk away from all of this. And James writes to people like that. So that's why he says in his opening verses, hey, 
count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith works patience. And, and don't think that temptation comes from God. That's not from him. That comes from within. All of these things he's writing um, to people who are going through it, very real situations. And so they, they had to be asking, okay, all this injustice, God, where are you? Where are you in all this? God, in all this injustice, why are we having to go through so much pain? Why are we having to suffer? I thought we were your people. Where are you in all of this? And James writes to remind them of some very fixed truth in the midst of some very unchanging times. And he writes, so far we've even learned these truths. One, he said, look at your trials with joy because God is in them. It hurts. It's painful. It's, it is unjust but God is in it. There's a purpose. He writes and says, hey, this testing of your faith, it's producing endurance in you. Don't, don't waste the moment. God's, God is with you. God is for you. If you need insight, ask. But when you ask, ask in faith, because if you don't, you won't, you won't get anything. Which, by the way, uh, plug for this coming Sunday. So we're talking about Pray Bold. This is our new series. Uh, this Sunday, two two things we'll cover. One, there are some things that God has limited himself to doing in our life by our prayer. In other words, there are some things that God will not do unless we pray. He can do whatever he wants. He has the power and he has the freedom, but he has chosen in his, in his will to limit things he does in our life to if and when we pray. The other thing that I had some very interesting discussions already this week about <clears throat> is if, if God is sovereign and control of all things and he knows all things and is working all things, what difference does it make if we pray? I'll just throw a third one out there. Is it possible to change God's mind when we pray or his will. Yes. Yes. Thank you, sir. Come on. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's correct. It's correct. That, when you when you understand those truths, it actually ignites within you a greater passion to pray and to pray bold, to pray boldly, <laughs> right? So, uh, but that's, that's a toughie. That's a tough question, you know, because you think, okay, well, God's fixed. God's the same. God never changes. And his will is certain. It already is fixed. And most people assume that prayer is, is just me aligning myself with his will, which it is. But there's also a part which... His spirit is within us and ignites our desire to pray. And there are certain things that he will not do until we pray. I think if you look at the Old Testament, you know, there were times where he could have read this too. Because he, he got angry and acted and, and Moses and, and some of the other prophets would fall down on their knees and pray. And he would say, okay, I'll spare the people. That's correct. You're exactly right. Exodus so 32. <laughs> well, we'll see that this Sunday. So uh, James is writing to a people who are in the midst of struggle, injustice, and he writes to remind them of some very important truths. 
And the verse or verses we're going to look at today are there at the bottom, James 1, 19 and 20. And we're actually going to camp out just in the first part of 19. But here's what he says. At the end of all these truths, God is for you. God is with you. Uh, if you need insight, ask him. If you need wisdom, ask him. Uh, temptations are not from God. Here's what he says. So then, in other words, based on all these truths, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So he's going to say, hey, run, get there quickly to want to hear and listen. Be slow, slow the pace down, hit the pause button before you start talking and hit the pause button before you start acting out in your anger. It's interesting that he doesn't say, don't ever express wrath. He just says, be slow to wrath. There's a place, there's a time, but be slow to it. But then he does add that, that other piece, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we'll talk more about that phrase next week, but it is interesting. There's a place for wrath, there's a place for justice, there's a place for anger. Um, it can be the execution of the righteousness of God, but it doesn't actually produce the righteousness of God in someone. You can't get mad at someone and they become uh, righteous necessarily. That doesn't produce righteousness. You can execute wrath, you can execute judgment, but if you want to produce righteousness in you and in someone else, it won't come because you forced them into that situation. Righteousness comes by faith, not by force. That's for next week, though. Jim? That's, that's what the, the bolster was talking about this morning. talking about grace is not giving something you deserve, in other words, something bad, mm -hmm. not giving something you deserve. Mercy is. Uh, mercy mercy is, that? yeah. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, yeah. And that's grace is getting something don't you don't deserve. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So James is going to say, hey, so when you're facing the injustice, when that moment arises, when you feel those emotions and those thoughts and all that passion wells up within you, like I got to do something, something needs to be done about this. James says in that moment, right there in that spot, when you're feeling all that pressure, all that tension, that something needs to be done. He says, be real quick to just listen right here in that moment. Before you start talking, before you start acting, listen. Quick. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Sometimes we get that turned around. Sometimes we want to be quick to speak, quick to act, and then stop and listen to see what, what's going on here now. Because us as men, again, it's kind of hardwired into our system. We're the ones that we want to act quick. We want to talk quick. And James reverses that and says, especially in your injustice, especially with what you're going through, he said, be quick to listen at what's happening and be slow before you talk and be slow before you act. So I was thinking about some of these ideas about well, what, what am I listening for? If I'm quick to listen, what is it I'm listening to? One, I should be listening to what is God saying here in this moment? God's always speaking. Um, sometimes we pray, God speak, speak to me. I, I pray that. But in reality, he's speaking. He's already speaking. The prayer might maybe more accurately be said, 
God, help me hear what you're saying. He's speaking. So in every moment, God is speaking. God has something to say. In the moment of injustice, there's something he's saying right there in that moment. Uh, some other things we could be listening to is, uh, how is this being used to build endurance in my faith? Because that's what James already said. God, how are, you, how are you using this frustration, this injustice, this thing happening to build my faith? Um, another question to ask is, what's driving the people around me to speak and act the way they are? When I get into conflicts with other people or situations that I don't understand, that's one of the things I start thinking is, okay, what's motivating them? What's driving them? But that takes, that takes intentional listening. That takes being in the moment and, and closing my mouth stopping my actions, and just listening for just a moment. Listening to what's being said, listening to what's happening around me, listening to what <clears throat> they're saying, and not just with their words, but with their, with their tone, with their actions, um, and listening for also what spiritual forces are at play here. Sometimes what's being driving the other person or what's driving them could be some spiritual forces that are that are actually evil yeah there can be some stuff that like we talked about Sunday principalities powers rulers of the darkness of this age and a host of wickedness those those drive people they deceive people and if you're not listening you might miss the fact that that's part of what's happening you might be talking to someone who's in bondage, who's enslaved. And if you know that, if you know they're deceived, they're blinded, that can change how you respond to them. It can change how you pray for them. But if you're not listening, you'll, you'll miss all of that. Also, uh, be listening for what's the wise way to respond. Sometimes what you think in the moment is not the best choice for the moment. And so, Stopping to just listen and learn and then respond. Uh, I learned that, of course, with my kids, with grandkids. Now I'm learning it all over again, and I learn it with my wife as well. There's a, there's a thing I want to say initially that's not always the thing that needs to be said initially. And uh, <clears throat> Heather and I have had this ongoing conversation, and I'm still, I'm still learning this, is that she, and maybe you've experienced this with your wife, she, she wants to tell me what she's feeling in any given moment, how she is feeling about a situation, what her emotions are uh, she's experiencing. And what she wants me to do is affirm her in that moment and say, I hear you, That's, I understand, that's tough. And then not say anything else. That's hard because she just told me something. She just, yes, she just told me an emotion, which to me says uh, you arrived at that emotion through a series of choices. And if you keep on thinking and using that emotion, it's gonna lead you to these choices. And so I think I have the choice. I, I think I have the responsibility to fix that. I don't. <laughs> she doesn't want that. And I, 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 I burned the bridge many, many times by telling her, well, you shouldn't feel that way because this, 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 and this, and, and you, you, what you ought to do is this, this. That's not what's needed in that moment. And so it is, it is a discipline 
to stop and listen, to be quick to listen and learn, and to be slow to speak in that moment. I mean, because later, uh, and those, after those conversations, she'll tell me. She said, I have a brain. I can figure out what to do. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I'm just wanting you to listen to what I'm going through in the moment. She's, yeah, in which I said, I got that. <laughs> it's true. And that's what's hard for me is I, I, hear, I hear the emotion um, and I want to either take it personal you know, or I want to fix it in the moment, and I have to, I have to slow all of that down. Exactly. So it's tough. Anybody else experience that same thing in your relationship with your wife? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can happen. It doesn't have to be a wife. It can be a mom. It can be a sister. It can be a sibling. Yeah, of any. Yeah, daughter. Yep, granddaughter. It happens. So, um, again, for for men, these these words ring very true. Um, you know, be quick to hear. Uh, if you're going to do anything in a in a situation when you walk up into it. Seek to listen and to learn before you speak and you act. So uh, you find that that's not just good relational advice. It's a spiritual truth. And if you're going to walk with God, this has to be how you do it. You have to be through, I'm going to listen and learn before I speak and act. Because he, he is the one who has wisdom. He's the one who has grace. So we have to listen and learn and receive that before we step out and do what we do. And you find that, especially in Proverbs, Psalms, uh, Proverbs 4.1, for example. He says, hear or listen, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. You find those two themes together. Listen and learn. Here he says, hear and seek to know understanding. It's the same thing as listen and learn. So that's true for, that's what you do as a parent. You want your children to listen and learn. Learn that skill. Learn to listen and then learn from what you hear. It's a skill that has to be taught to children. And it's, it's necessary because that's how they learn obedience. Uh, this is an important skill for marriages, for relationships. Listen and learn before you speak and act. And then it's effective in business. If you're going to be can be effective in your, your job. You have to learn to listen and learn before you speak and act. Whether you're 
uh, a manager or whether you're a salesman, whatever it is, listening and learning to your customer, learning what they need, learning what they want, listen to them, then speak and act. If you are speaking and acting before you're listening and learning, you're not gonna sell much, you're not gonna get much done in your situation. But this is especially true when it comes to uh, hearing God. If it's all about you talking and acting before you're listening and learning, you're gonna find yourself way down the road doing something you weren't designed to do. He never called you to do. So we have to always be in this mode. It's a discipline to listen and learn. I'm gonna listen and learn before I speak and act. And this is, this is even more difficult, I think, for people that are verbal processors, you know? Because people that, that, uh, that talk to think, you have those people in your life that they have to talk to think, that's a necessary processing skill for people. Uh, it's challenging because they wanna say a whole lot before they thought a whole lot. And some of that goes together, but they've gotta be careful that, that that thinking out loud doesn't turn into destructive talk and destructive actions. So there's a place for it. And I was just thinking about the importance of this idea of listening and learning. James goes in on this for us today. And I was just thinking, stopping to listen and learn uh, is valuable. Because number one, it's an act of humility. If I'm gonna listen and learn it's an indicator that I don't know everything. So in a relationship, that's a good thing to choose to listen and learn. It's a, it's a, it's a way of putting yourself in a humble position. It's definitely necessary before you and God. Put yourself in that place of God, I'm here to listen and learn. Uh, more than me coming to try to impress you, I'm, I'm coming here to listen and learn from you. More than me trying to do a bunch of stuff for you, I'm going to listen and learn what you have to say that you've done for me. This is an act of humility. And you have to resist the lie that as men, you, you know everything. That's a, that's a struggle for us. So resist that. Acknowledge the truth. I don't know everything. I need to listen and learn. Continue to listen and learn. Second, listening and learning is an act of love because it puts the other person in a place of honor. Uh, for Heather, me listening and learning what she's thinking and feeling and desires is a way of honoring her, of saying, I, I care what you have to say. I care what you feel. I care enough to listen. And if I seek to hear a person's hurts and their heart and their desires and their needs and I ask questions, then that's a way of honoring them, putting them first. Um, listening and learning uh, is an act of change, really, because it, it means I'm gonna listen and learn and I'm gonna do something different than what my natural course would have been. I was going this way, but because I've listened and learned what you've said to me, now I'm going to go this way. That's what faith ought to be. It ought to be this continual process of change. I'm going to listen and learn what God says. I'm going to change. So uh, listening and learning is essential for that. But listening and learning is also, it's an act of faith because it acknowledges that God is speaking in the moment. Every moment God is speaking. He's, he's speaking now. He's still speaking when you walk out these doors. He's still speaking when you get in your car. 
He's still speaking when you're at home, when you're at work. He's always speaking. And so listening and learning puts you in that spot of saying, God, I'm, I'm listening. I'm looking for you to confirm your word. I'm looking for you to uh, show me what you're saying by your spirit in me. And you're revealing yourself. And so if I know you're in the moment and I know you are speaking, I'm going to listen and learn. That's an act of, of faith in that moment. Uh, listening and learning is an act of dependence <clears throat> because it means uh, I need what is being said. I need it from God and I need it for my relationship. I, I put myself in a place of dependence upon someone else. That's a good thing. I need the input. <clears throat> um, I like being creative. I like um, organizing. I like planning. Um, and I can do some of that alone, but I, there is something significant that happens um, when there's two or three people in the room and we do creative planning sessions as a staff, or even our whole staff gets together. When there's eight of us at the table and an idea comes out on the table, I like to think I'm creative, but when an idea hits the table <clears throat> with eight people at the table, there's always magnified creativity and ideas and planning and it just it happens in, in more rapid pace and it happens at a degree greater than what I could do on my own. And that's a moment to listen and learn. There's power in, in others being at the table <clears throat> and making yourself part of the conversation and being dependent upon others. Um, but also, listening and learning is an act of wisdom because <clears throat> it helps me know what to do next. And as I said, Proverbs Proverbs goes all in on this deal. Like in Proverbs 2, um, he's writing and talking about how to gain wisdom. And look at all the ways he describes being in this posture of listening and learning. He says, my son, if you receive my words, which should be bolded as well, and treasure my commands within you, that should be bolded as well, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, you lean in to hear, and you apply your heart to understanding. You, you make that what you're all about. I want to understand in this situation. God, I want to understand your ways in this situation. This is not just about me trying to show off. This is about me. I wanted to learn. He says, yes, if you cry out for discernment, if you ask, if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. That's a lot to put your heart in that posture of, I want to seek, I want to listen, I want to learn, I want to ask, I want to be in this position of listening and learning. He says, then you'll understand the fear of God, and then you'll find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You, you, it's being spoken. It's being delivered. It's being poured out. That's not the question, will God speak? The question is, will we listen and learn? Will we pause our mouth, pause our words, pause our actions long enough to say, God, I want to be quick, quick to hear. I'll rush to listen and I'll be real slow before I talk and before I act. So uh, with all of that, uh, there's some discussion questions there. Take some time at your table to discuss those and uh, make some application and then have someone pray.